Hey, it's Anna Sale, and I want to thank you for listening to Death, Sex, and Money, where I explore the big questions and hard choices that are often left out of polite conversation. You can hear new episodes ad-free every week on Amazon Music, where you can find Death, Sex, and Money and all of your Slate favorites without the ads. Back in March, we brought you an interview about heroin and overcoming addiction. But as we reported that story, it took an unexpected turn, and we promised you an update. If you haven't listened to the episode, it's called Falling in Love with Heroin. You can find it on our website at deathsexmoney.org. In the episode, I talked with two people that we called Mike and Suzanne. Those aren't their real names. They'd been together since they were teenagers and got married eight years ago. Mike and Suzanne were both addicted to heroin for five years. During that time, they also had three kids. And then, after several attempts at getting clean, they stopped using with the help of methadone. When we recorded the interview, they'd been clean for almost a decade. Do you ever get urges now? Nah. Maybe occasionally, but not uh, not with any frequency. I don't. I don't look back at that time with fondness at all. Has it been harder to rebuild than you thought it was going to be? Yes. After I interviewed Mike and Suzanne, we found out about pending criminal charges against Mike. They weren't drug charges, but for sexual abuse of a minor. In May, Mike pled guilty to one charge that he sent sexual texts to a preteen girl. We reached out to Suzanne. Hello? to ask about what's happened since we spoke earlier this year. He was initially facing four charges, and three of them were dropped. And uh, now he's facing a maximum of 18 months in county jail. But they did it because the victim had been suicidal, and they were trying to give him a generous enough plea deal so that she didn't have to testify in front of him. And what's the status of your relationship with Mike right now? Um, yeah, we're not together anymore. When did that happen? Um, shortly after she tried to commit suicide, it kind of uh, became real, I guess. I was in denial for a really long time. I didn't want to face the fact that I could be with somebody for that long and go through so much of that person and still not know something that big. But after that, I couldn't deny how much he must have hurt her for her to do something like that. How do you feel about no longer being in a relationship together? Um, I feel terrified. <laughs> like, very, very, very afraid. I'm not sure how to handle things on my own. I'm not used to sleeping by myself. I'm not used to, like, remembering when to pay the bills. I forget everything. <laughs> I've always had him to fall back on, and I always knew that he understood what I was going through because he was going through the same thing. But now, I don't know anybody that knows what I'm going through. And, I mean, you know, there are groups of people, like groups of women who have left abusive husbands and stuff like that, but I don't feel like that's how our story played out. 
Like, I feel like I wasn't abused, but I should have known that I was married to someone that, you know, had the ability to abuse somebody. Does it feel like you're restarting in a similar way, like when you finally got clean? Yeah, it does. I feel like back at that point where I'm really afraid of what the future holds, like even more than when I was on drugs. How are you making it financially? Um, child support and savings and 401ks and retirement funds and, yeah. Like, honestly, I stopped looking for a job because I'm, like, incredibly depressed right now. And there are mornings that I wake up and I'm mad that I woke up. Oh, Suzanne. And I know it's, like, really selfish because I have children still, but there's a huge part of me that thinks that they'd be better off if they could move on with their lives and that, you know, he could go away and I could go away and they could forget that anything bad ever happened. But I know that's not how it works. Yeah. You're their mom. Are you at all afraid that that you'll be enticed to use again? Um, actually, <laughs> I, like, never, ever thought about using until, like, a month ago. That was the very first time, and there was an evening. I actually, like, went online, and I, like, I looked around trying to figure out what neighborhood I'd have to go to, and, but at the end, I decided that I was just being self-destructive and that it was pointless. And I would end up hurting more than just myself. And I think that's who I wanted to hurt. But my, yeah, my self-destruction would have ripples across my entire family. I, I have to say, hearing, talking to you, it sounds like it sounds like you're pretty alone right now. I am very alone. I cry myself to sleep every night, and sometimes I cry so hard I feel like I can't breathe. And I don't want to talk to anybody. Like, even if I had the money to go to a counselor, I wouldn't know what to say. I find that surprising because it seems... I feel like you're so clear about explaining what you're going through as we talk. I know it seems easier because I'm not facing you, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> Do you feel stronger because you were able to leave the relationship? No. I feel weak that I didn't leave to begin with. I should have left it a long time ago. I should have left like as soon as I found out. Like I feel like I was really weak because I didn't do that. That's a woman who we're calling Suzanne. At the end of our conversation, I asked her what she thought could be helpful for her right now. She said she didn't know. But I imagine that in our audience, there might be people who have been through similar situations, leaving relationships, feeling guilty for waiting too long, and having to start over. If you have a message for Suzanne, send it to us, and we'll pass it on to her. Our email address is deathsexmoney at wnyc.org.